Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Yes, that is right. It's time for the main event, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And for once, our intro is not a liar, because Troy is here. And I am here today, as always, with Jason. Well, you're the, to be fair, you're the one that made a liar out of our intro. I did, I did. Uh, sadly, I was dealing with uh, some illness, uh, then I was dealing with more illness. Uh, so, But I am back and uh, hopefully better than ever. And I want to thank a special shout out to Sal for filling in for me last week and a special shout out to absolutely nobody for filling in for me the week before. Uh, fuck uh, everybody. <laughs> I said filling in for me. Uh, you okay. you show up all the time. Yeah. And that's great because we wouldn't have a show without you the past two weeks. <laughs> but two weeks ago, mm, hashtag fuck the network. Anyways, so <laughs> we had... Of course, I decided to come back on the week that we had nothing really happening in the terms of Ron <laughs> Ron SmackDown. But I was going to do try to do some wrestler math. Okay, go ahead. I was going to be like, what happens if you take the number of world championships that Booker T won and multiply it uh, by the number of dudes who were inside Page at the same time? You get multiple cocks. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, multiple cocks. All right. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? So this week's multiple cocks, we talk <laughs> five oh, times. Oh, 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 I got it. Ten. The perfect ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. A fucking ten. That's right. It's time for the perfect ten. <laughs> and yes, let's go ahead and start off. Uh, before I get to sales email, though. It appears. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a voicemail. Uh, it <laughs> appears as though that we might have seen a couple of cracks in one Mr. Matt Hardy, so much so that he could potentially break. Yeah, so, it was. Uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was. I was just gonna. I was gonna segue into asking you. Um, what do you feel about because he's not going to be broken, Matt Hardy? Woken, Matt Hardy. What do you feel about about them bringing the gimmick over? Uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Whether it's broken, woken, I don't know. There, he made reference on Twitter to to both, so um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But it's, I think, sort of the moment everyone's been waiting for since he came back. Uh, it was really odd seeing him go back to like '80s, you know, thirty year old Matt Hardy after mm-hmm. everything we saw in TNA, 
and the thing that made him so culturally relevant again just kind of disappeared. But it never really totally left. He was still throwing little hints of it here and there. Mm. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do with it. Who knows how it's going to fit within the WWE universe. I don't know if it will be allowed to be as campy and hokey as it was that made it so popular in the first place. I guess we'll find out. Um, but an interesting note is that apparently this all came about because Anthem has dropped all claims to the gimmick. So they're basically saying, you know what, you did it here. Go ahead, you can have it. Mm -hmm. uh, which sounds like a great bit of charity uh, from Ed Nordum and Anthem until you discover that it's really just because they couldn't afford to go to court. Right, right. And, you know, speaking of the, the Broken Matt Hardy character, you know, we do have him against the king of camp in Wyatt. And this is what we had kind of continued to talk about as would be a perfect way to break Matt Hardy was to have him go against Bray Wyatt, you know, the eater of worlds, the uh, breaker of characters. And the fact that when Jeff Hardy went down, I think a lot of us were going, well, now there's really no excuse for it. And now there definitely is no excuse where Anthem was pretty much just like, please don't sue us because we, we can't even afford to... to we can't, we can't even afford to print a business card to give you. So we're going to, you know, we, please don't just go, just, just take it. Go ahead and take it. You'll take it. Hey, you want this video library over here? It's two for a dollar. Come on. There's, there's a bunch, they, of, bunch of, bunch of bad hearty matches on this one. Look at this DVD here. Do you think Ed Nordum wishes he could go back in time and take that offer from Matt Hardy for to, to buy the gimmick? Yes. Uh, I think also, um, he's probably thinking, maybe I shouldn't have brought in Alberto El Patron. I'm maybe. thinking Paige is probably thinking the same thing. Mm, yes, that's very true. But it's okay because, you know, uh, Paige is, is just like a uh, – Paige is back, so, which is good. And yeah, we'll talk about her later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about her later. We'll talk about, you know, people coming on her back. or uh, Sorry, her comeback. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's my bad. Uh, but first, let's listen to this shit. What's up, Rundown? It is I, the voice of the voicemail, once again here to talk about the week that was in professional wrestling. I had a lot of fun co-hosting last week. I hope to do it again soon. But this week I am calling to talk quickly about Matt Hardy. Now, Matt Hardy reinvented himself a year and a half ago as a broken character. character became so popular, it literally swept the internet literally unfortunately when matt hardy signed with the wwf him and his brother jeff came over without the broken hardy gimmick as that gimmick was tied up for a while in the Fading himself out? Yes. <laughs>
They're all dead. We're hanging. I am glad they dropped the whole Sister Abigail aspect of the character. I one don't care. It's like he dropped his phone and didn't realize he dropped his phone. <laughs> as far as that goes, I think he he can definitely make it work. And let's hope that he does and that he can make and that they let him get broken in the WWF. Talk to you guys. Sal, take some some advice from Val Venus and never go hands-free. And make sure in the future to, you know, talk into the microphone on your your phone instead of shoving it up somebody's ass and talking to their (laughs) ass. I see two possibilities here. Mm -hmm. One, he was taking a piss, dropped the phone in the toilet, (laughs) <laughs> Couldn't stop pissing, so just started yelling into the phone in the toilet. Yep. Uh, or two, given that I've heard several episodes of WrestleMania Salvation that modulate volume back and forth, <laughs> maybe it's just his gimmick. Maybe it's something he's working on. I don't know. You think his gimmick is, is that he leaves the room and just tries to continue to Multi- talk into the microphone? <laughs> multiple volumes guy. That's his yeah. thing. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would. I'd love to comment on uh, what Sal said there, but I didn't fucking hear any of it. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was poignant. I did hear Sister Abigail in there somewhere, and uh, I could totally see you know Lita returning with Matt, and you know Matt and Lita feud with Bray and Sister Abigail. Mm-hmm. That could be That's something. Yeah, yeah, could be a thing. That could be a thing. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? We'll or Rebby. Rebby probably more likely than, than Lita, I guess, yeah. when I think of it. Probably. I believe, probably. I believe Matt Hardy's current wife still refers to Lita as dad ho, so. I'm pretty sure that Rebby will never have a job at WWE, but who knows? Stranger things have probably happened. Probably a safe assumption. Yeah. Can you imagine a meeting with her and Vince, though? Mm-hmm. Love to be a fly on the wall for that. That would be great. He'd be like, I like your use of the word cunt. (laughs) (laughs) But anything that brings Senior Benjamin back, I'm all for it. Yeah. And Mm. Skarsgård, the dilapidated boat. I hope we get all that Mm. shit back. If we're going back to the broken gimmick, let's go all the way in. Let's, like uh, like Danny DeVito said in uh, an episode of Let's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't know how many years I got left on this planet, so I'm going to get real weird with it. That's what Matt Hardy should do. There you go. Yeah. Just throw caution to the wind. Who gives a shit? All right. So moving right along here. Um, I don't I don't know if I have anything to say about this one. So let's just go with, is Jason Jordan the best performer on Raw? I'm starting to think he might be. Honestly, the way he's played the sort of sniveling little whiny entitled brat the last three weeks four weeks has been some of the best work of his career like i'm legit buying into this character i'm legit looking forward to when he does the final big turn i think he's got a future as a singles heel Hmm. interesting um i could see that you know obviously he's got he's got the physique he looks amazing um and i'm I'm with you on that. He does appear to have, um, you know, a good grasp of his character at this point. And yeah, by all accounts, it seems, it seems like he might be, be something good. The only thing is, is that we need to make sure that he actually does, um, get used properly. And that's always kind of an issue with, 
or the WWE is, rather they're going to, you know, use a guy or well, not. I think what they're doing with him now is great in that, you know, he's he's doing the whole, I'm going to fight this big guy, huge guy, and then like five minutes in the match, he has to leave it. I think that's great. That's just awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah. Works for me. Again, there's never been a question that WWE knows how to build heels. It's that they don't know how to build faces. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> How's that Finn Balor guy doing? Good? Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So. Suck a dick. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, that's only on the rundown Twitter. My bad. Oh, yes, that's right. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. All right, so <laughs> moving moving right along from cocksuckers to mm, cocksuckers. So Asuka made, uh, was made out to look like a, a, a boss while PMS continues to cunt stop everybody. And I am not going to call absolution absolution because they are PMS. Paige, Mandy, and Sonia. And I like absolution. Maybe I'm in the minority on this one. I like it as a group name. Well, you know, I mean, you and Paige have something like then because you both like minorities. But, you know, it's... <laughs> come on. Come on. That was all right. Um, but speaking of minorities... By the way, Brad Maddox was white toast, my friend. Yeah, that's true. But Xavier Woods, kind of the opposite. He is one of the whiter black guys, though. Let's be honest. That is true. That is true. But, well, uh, somebody who's not black or white, somebody who's Asian, Asuka, they did a perfect job here of trying to put over absolution slash pms while still making asuka look badass by having her not back down and it almost you know if if it wasn't for the fact that we know the gimmick of asuka it would almost seem like asuka might be joining absolution but just with a little smirk everything of that but we know her character as i just she just like Paige, she just takes on all comers so (laughs) (laughs) well let's start with the fact that uh, this whole thing started with Asuka having a match with Dana Brooke that went five seconds. And Dana Brooke charged at her and then went, oh, okay, yeah, armbar, over. And it seems that I recall somebody on this show suggesting that that's how that should have been done from the fucking beginning. Hmm. And yeah, I'm going to harp on this every fucking week because some people took great offense to my suggestion, but look what they're doing now. And look at the fact Asuka is starting to get reactions on the main roster. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and that's what that's what she needs. You know, we need to continue to have this, you know, um, this happen like this. We need to continue to, to build her because if you want her to be the focal point, you know, of the division, which what it seems to be, you've got to have the fans actually care about her. And it's difficult when you've got somebody like Sasha. Uh, not so difficult anymore when you've got someone like Bailey, although it used to be. But yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for as well, kind of having Paige be be the linchpin, the, the the top heel over there as well. Even though you do still have obviously Alexa, so it's going to be interesting to see how they they kind of fold all of that in there when you've got Absolution as kind of a heel team and Becky Lynch or not Becky Lynch, sorry, uh, Alexa Bliss as well. Yeah, and there were a couple of things for me coming out of this week on the show uh, with this group. First off. I love uh, Sonya Deville as the silent muscle, and she should definitely be the silent muscle. Uh, the promo, not great. 
Uh, Mandy's was okay. You could tell she was a little bit nervous, but it wasn't bad. She she pulled herself together nicely. Uh, Paige is really going to have to do the heavy lifting as far as the promo work, I think, for this group. Uh, but I love that they put this sort of group together that doesn't really look on paper like they would go together, but they have that tie-in of being involved in this, the last season of Tough Enough where Paige was a judge, mm-hmm. and she had a definite issue at that time with Mandy Rose, and now they're like... There, there's all sorts of sort of subplots they could get into at some point. So I think they've set themselves up very nicely with this group. Um, and I love the fact that they're being used almost, I don't want to say four horsemen-like, but they're just sort of all gang attacking everybody and, uh, you know, displaying dominance right off the bat. I, I enjoy the way they're being handled right now. Yeah, you know, very much so. Um, this week, and we'll get into it when we get to SmackDown, um, all of the new women got a chance to get on the stick, and not all of them were all that great. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we know that Mandy is Some not of them were like a firework. You could pop them off in their mouth. Uh, <laughs> like the 4th of July. That's right, baby. Uh, it's difficult I as don't. well. Uh, you do it. It's difficult <laughs> as well because they weren't given good lines to say, but they also did not really deliver all of them all that well either. So that's kind of the issue going going to that aspect there. But again, you know, they've got plenty of time. A lot of these women did not spend as much time in NXT as they probably should have. Um, but obviously you've got a new crop of women coming in and a lot of these chicks kind of got lost in a shuffle. Um, in terms of, of, you know, in-ring ability, I think obviously, you know, Sonia and um, Sarah, oh, geez, was there... I always think of her as crazy Mary Dobson. So I'm trying to remember what Sarah Logan, Sarah Logan, I think are probably the two of the better ones. Obviously Mandy Rose, not great in the ring. Uh, Liv Morgan. is decent. I don't know that that's true. Honestly. I mean, she, she's still young. And the last time we saw her in NXT, uh, she showed a lot of promise and she sort of kind of got kept off TV after that. And from everyone I know who went to house shows for NXT and saw her perform, they said she was vastly improved from the last time they'd seen her on TV. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're still really fresh into this and, and so far they haven't completely shit the bed on it. So I'm fine with it. But you know, if they, if they just turn around and have Asuka just whoop the shit out of all three of these chicks in like a three on one match, then, you know, that would be your typical WWE booking. Um, but something that's, well, they're telling us some interesting stories with it and, and subplots and, you know. They're taking out the girls in the back. They're leaving Sasha in there. They're offering Sasha a chance to join them. I, I loved the Alexa Bliss thing where she started off by when they showed the footage from the previous week and they're like, well, real champions don't run and hide. And then as soon as they came out, she sort of s- left the announce table and <laughs> sort of snuck off to the back. I thought that I think they're doing some great storytelling with this group and this women's division right now, and I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, it, it works for me. And and anything that's putting a, a further eye on the women's women's division is great. And uh, I don't know if you have anything in the news regarding some of the uh, possibilities that we have coming up here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Also, I mean, can we just say can we just say how much? I, I I don't know. It's hard. It's obviously it's hard to judge. But we've only seen the clips of you know when they were out in public. But Paige looks much more refreshed and happy these days. Like. 
like she's gotten something very toxic out of her life. I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Very strange. Yeah, it really is. It really is, man. But, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes you just need a little time off. That's all. So I'm sure that's all it is. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be anything else. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, we go from, you know, some new friends to some even newer friends. Because big bad Braun Strowman got himself a new best friend. And it's the king of overness, Finn Balor. <sighs> and of course, they decided they decided to this is another one of those situations where um WWE does these weird things sometimes where like in order to prolong a storyline, they have a guy go and save another guy, even though those guys have nothing to do with each other. And this was another one of those because Kane was beating the shit out of Finn Balor, which is what Kane does. On no, 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 hold on, hold on. It's weirder than this. Because yeah. it started with Kane and Jason Jordan. Yes. Then Jason Jordan got the shit kicked out of him. Then Finn Balor came down to sit, I, to get in Kane's face, apparently because Kane beat him a couple weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, so then they had a match out of nowhere because, you know, that's how contracts work. Mm-hmm. And uh, then all of a sudden... Finn wins by disqualification and Braun comes down to make the save like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever you had Finn lose clean to Kane in the middle of the ring. So Finn comes out to get his revenge except you book it that he gets his ass kicked and needs someone to come save him. That's not how face gets his shine back. (laughs) That's how I get my shine back. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was by watching the page videos. Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. That's how I get my glaze off. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not going to, you know, it, it is on, what it is. On the plus side, I will say this. At least Kane didn't have to worry about those same travel issues we talked about a few weeks back because this event was in Tennessee. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite story of the week has got to be that Kane gets his shit kicked out of him. Uh, then does a <laughs> an event for, or a campaigning event. It's like, yeah, sure, sure, why not? <laughs> or was it a campaign event? Oh God, no, 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 it wasn't. Yeah, some, so sometimes you gotta try out some stuff, you know. Yeah, you know, sometimes it happens. Yeah. Sometimes you sometimes you you swing for the fences and you just miss. It happens. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you, you know, you you pull out and nut over all over someone's face. It happens. You know, these these or, things that happen. Or their championship belt. Or their championship belt. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that's why she's never going to get another title shot. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be like British Bulldog. Where's my Where's my title shot? And they'll be like, Well, you had some jizz on the last one, so I don't know if we're gonna. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna let you have it again. I promise I won't let anyone jizz on it this time. Are you going to jizz on it? Because I feel like it's time you're going to jizz on it. Maybe? <laughs> I, I feel like we kind of segued away from Kane, Finn Balor, and Braun Strowman. Well, you know, I mean, uh, just like Paige, we're just going to keep coming on it. Coming right back to her. All right. Hey anyways. hey oh, um, I don't think we had much else to say about it other than it was fucking dumb booking. Like, you know, I, I get what we're trying to do, you know, with, with Braun continuing to try to get him get him over which he doesn't really need it um and but yeah like we said i mean the the whole thing was kind of silly it was kind of weird and well, being as kane's by himself it 
not sure this leads to anything really. Okay, so it sort of pissed me off the way they used Finn Balor here, and, and I touched on some of the reasons why. I'd like to say this. I don't know for those we recommend it at the end of every show, but for those of those fans of mine or, or the rundowns that listen to the wrestling podcast about nothing, which I recommend you do, uh, the Kingpin Brian Malonis took exception to some posts that were made on the Twitter feed, which were not necessarily Troy's or mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that talked about the future of the WWE in the form of Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura and Bobby Roode and. I took great exception to that saying those guys aren't the future. They're in their late 30s, early 40s, blah, blah, blah. And listen, I agree with the kingpin in that regard. These guys are not the future, but they should be the fucking present. Right. That's the problem is they're, they're not being booked like the top of the card in the present. And you don't have a ton of time with these guys. And when you say that they're not the future of the company, I, I guess it depends because WrestleMania was half main evented by a 50-year-old last year. So... Who knows? But the point is, they don't have that guy that can come back 10 years from now in main event WrestleMania for the nostalgia pop. They don't have the guy of that level, unless you count Cena, who can do that. They have guys who are talented, who can be top of the card, top flight guys, right fucking now, and instead they're putting them under to Kane. And that's where I have a problem. Right. Thanks. Okay, on to the next topic. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're completely right on this thing. And we've, we've talked about it to death at this point, about the fact that they are not building new stars. And the stars that are trying so hard to build themselves up, they keep shooting them in the dick by having them lose to, you know, to older guys or just kind of be pushed, pushed off the card. You know, I sadly, I wasn't here to really uh, shit all over Survivor Series. But again, look at this at the Survivor Series card where it was supposed to be the best guys from each show, and both 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 teams had a motherfucker that's not on their show. Triple H is not a really officially a member of Raw. You know, John Cena is a free agent, and yet yeah, I, both of those guys look, look that were stuff is done to spike buy rates. That doesn't bother me. It's fine. My bigger issue is when we talk about the stars of tomorrow who are those fucking guys because all the new talent they're bringing up are these guys who are in their 30s and 40s and i sort of look up and down this roster and i wonder where the future of the company actually is unless you're talking about a guy like jason jordan a guy maybe even like elias a guy like uh, chad gable these are the guys that i think maybe you can look at and say these are the young prodigies that maybe we can turn into stars down the road and of course you get your braun Strowmans, but it, the road is not littered with great young talent in the system at the moment. And you you do. You have to ask yourself, like, at some point in time, you have to just be like, what are you, what are you doing? What What's going on here? Like, when, when are we going to finally start utilizing some of these guys? We've got, you know, a, a our big-time champion on Raw is not every week. And... Say what you will about Brock, you know, but Brock is a guy who, by all accounts, is not going to be here in a couple of months because his, you know, his contract is coming up and who knows if he's going to come back or not. You know, obviously he's been kind of uh, dipping his dick back into UFC and, you know, putting himself back on on everything. But yeah, that's that's all I'm saying is like you've got all these 30s and 40s guys, but 
outside of like Jordan Gable, Strowman, I don't see a pipeline of, of talented young guys ready to be those stars of the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that is the issue, but yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, we, you could look at it 10 years ago and, and kind of say the same thing about, you know, some of the older guys hanging around there too. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, guys like Owens and Zane, even, even though they are a little bit older, I do think that they are going to be around for a little bit. And, you know, guys like Seth, Dean and Roman are obviously heavily the future so much so that Roman Reigns looks like he's going to be main eventing his fourth straight WrestleMania as well. And he should. He's their best performer at the moment. He's their best performer. But at this point, the WWE has just decided that they're okay with four WrestleManias in a row ending with their fans booing. Um, well, because I, I, I disagree. Did you hear the reaction Roman got on raw? There were legit, and that was, there were legit, we want Roman chance. So that was another one of those situations where WWE actually did something very smart because they put Elias out there yep. who clearly can get some heat on him. And he was out there for a long fucking time. So much so that they're like, they're going to be begging for this motherfucker <laughs> just to put it into it. And that that is exactly how you book him. But, you know, we talked about it again where, uh, you know, is is this the right feud for Roman Reigns, though? Because you're going to put him against somebody who the Smarks love yeah. and who the fans like as well. And that's kind of the issue where you put a, put Roman Reigns against a guy like The Miz or Elias, they're going to cheer Reigns. Mm-hmm. But when you start putting him against a guy like Samoa Joe, it makes it a little bit harder. And it's it's not that easy street to cheers that Reigns versus Elias would be. Yeah, no, and it's um, true. So, yeah. So yeah, so uh, to set the stage on that, yeah, you know, Roman Reigns is doing the open challenge. It's not great so far, but Elias answered it. Uh, they had a decent match. Uh, then after the match, Samoa Joe, uh, or Samoa Joe had a match match also against Titus Worldwide. Whooped the shit out of him. Uh, then Samoa Joe choked out Roman Reigns. So, you know that if that's a feud going forward, there, you know, if it's a way to get the IC title on Samoa Joe, I'm fine with it. But like I said, it does it does kind of make you question on is this going to be, you know, the the right feud to try to build up Reigns to get, you know, a, a cheer going against Brock Lesnar. I first off, I really enjoyed the match with Elias. I thought that was easily his best match on the main roster, so hats off to him. And the common denominator of all these great matches is that they seem to have Roman Reigns in them. And you hear, oh, well, AJ Styles carried him to a great match. So you want to fucking tell me that Elias carried Roman Reigns to a really good match on Raw? Because I'm going to have a hard time buying that one. Um, Roman Reigns is just a good, great fucking performer, and people need to get over themselves and recognize that fact and just give the guy credit for it. Um, Yeah, everyone seems to forget that the reason why Reigns versus Taker was good was because Roman Reigns. Yeah, and it wasn't because that good, though. That's the problem. <laughs> it wasn't that good, but but there were still some really good moments to it. And, you know, the match was a competent match. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you can, you can talk about limited movesets all day, but, you know, Bret Hart and John Cena have limited movesets, too. And they can still put on really good matches you know roman reigns yes he's not doing some of these things that other people do but he, why would he he's a fucking powerhouse right so he should be doing powerhouse moves and you know as like to me i'm i'm I've always been a storyline guy 
as long as the story is good, I'm fucking good, you know? And problem is with Roman, it hasn't been usually. <laughs> right, exactly. But he is a dude who can tell a story. You know, selling be damned sometimes. He does have a little bit of an issue still with consistency in his selling. But in terms of, you know, getting reactions, in terms of what he does in the ring, yeah, he's he's earned the right to be in the position he is. Yeah, I'm, look, so. I, I'm very much looking forward to a program with him and Joe. I think the two of them are going to have some fantastic matches together. Like I said, we'll see how the crowd reactions go. I think the affiliation with the Shield will still help Roman to a degree. Uh, but this is definitely going to test some of the uh, popularity he's gained over the last couple of weeks. But I, I'm very, very curious to see where it goes. And I'm very excited that Joe's getting that kind of push. And I can, I'm very hopeful that this ends with the uh, Intercontinental title over the shoulder of Samoa Joe at some point. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm all for that as well. And um, moving right along here to another championship where the SmackDown tag title scene becomes a threesome now. So we had, um, you know, a full-on face turn for the Usos. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) because all of a sudden they're just all happy-go-lucky and good. Mm. Um and then, you know, so much so that the New Day are bringing them fucking pancakes and everything of that. Um, Smuggling which, them in, in, in Big E's yeah. trunks, yeah. At least it was warm. True. And brought syrup and everything, too, so. Yeah. A, yeah. That's, a, that's a courteous host right there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, the... the um, So, yeah, so it we had this weird thing where, like, um, they were talking about the New Day as like maybe potentially getting a title shot again but i was pretty sure that the last time they fought each other that was like one of the stipulations was that there was not going to be a rematch and not another thing and they even kind of said that we're we're cool with each other now so they're not cool with gable and benjamin so yeah that's true um and you know gable and benjamin i this this is the kind of issue with this is that you know you've got you've got a couple of teams now but they're all kind of faces because you know Benjamin and Gable by all accounts are still really good faces and everything like that they they still get some good pops so uh, it's weird that we don't really have a top heel team anymore um, and obviously you know the, go ahead I guess they're gonna probably my guess is do the do the full turn with gable and benjamin at some point soon and they're going to be sort of that top heel team yeah yeah i can see that and they and they would do good at that um but you know it's it's one of those things it's it's just it's very weird that they kind of turned the usos face um but they did it without changing the character which is good because their characters are good they're these this is a far better character for these two Mm -hmm. than what they originally did where they were just kind of generic simone guys uh, and keeping their characters the same while just kind of, you know, making them uh, be a little bit nicer works for me. And it's it's good for, you know, good good for them. But I, I would have liked to see them kind of continue to be the top face, their top heels on, on SmackDown. So uh, but maybe maybe eventually we'll get Owens versus or Owens and Sammy into this title picture as well. Uh, if Shane doesn't fire them first. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's not a spot for them obviously at the top of the card right now, so that's a, that could be a spot you put them in. That that would make some sense. Yeah, um, and we also got a little bit of a dissent. This is that was me segueing, by the way. Uh, we also got a little bit of a uh, of dissension between 
Daniel Bryan and Shane as well, where you've got, you know, you know, Shane comes out saying he wants, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan to fire Owens and Sammy and Bryan comes out and said, you didn't want a yes man. So I, you know, you, you hired me and everything of that. And it was really, it was really nice. I thought it was one of the better promos that Daniel Bryan has given, you know, and, uh, Shane as well was, you know, they did a good job of playing up the fact that Shane wasn't thinking business minded wise, where he's just like, oh, Owens and Zane or Owens and Zane will be my sister's problem then. And it's just like, well, if you put them over there, like, you know, we need them to sell tickets and they've got great talent and stuff like that. So it was nice to see that, like, Shane's ego kind of getting in, in his way. There is nobody on the WWE roster that's had more attention paid to their character and building their storylines than Daniel fucking Bryan. And mm-hmm. as big a fan as I am of Daniel Bryan, if the most well-developed character on your programming is the GM who can't wrestle, mm-hmm. you're not in great shape. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I you, you have to wonder if this is leading to some sort of Daniel Bryan-Shane McMahon program at some point. Um, all signs continue to point to Daniel Bryan's going to wrestle again there or somewhere else. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe they've decided, and this is just sort of the slow burn they're setting up for it. I don't know, um, but I I don't know. It, it's a tough thing to watch Daniel Bryan get involved in storylines when you know that there's not going to be a payoff to it. Right, exactly. The same thing with the Miz. Right. You know, when when he him and him and the Miz are going back and forth, we thought that was going to be fucking great, and then nothing really came about that. Yeah, exactly. But the uh, Owens and Sammy continue to be some of the highlights of the show. Um, Sammy's exaggerated, ridiculous dancing now as he comes out just continues to make me love him even more every single week. <laughs> yeah. Um, him and Owens just play off each other so well as a team. Sammy as a heel has really taken strides I wasn't sure he could do. Um, his Their back and forth with Shane was on point. I, I'm really enjoying that part of the story. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, you know, these guys are, I mean, they, they work so well together. Um, I love the fact that Shane makes such a really good foil for them as well, just because there's there's so many egos involved with everything too. Um, and, yeah, can just continue to put those guys on there. And, obviously, Shane Shane's mocking dancing was great as well too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I all in all, it, we're, we're, it's looking really good, and I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, where we kind of go from here. Ouch. All right, so uh, moving right along. Finally, the long National Nightmare is over because the Hype Bros finally broke up. And they did so by having the Bludgeon Brothers, the Super Smash Brothers, uh, the dudes wearing Kane's old outfits, beat the shit out of Zack Ryder and Mojo Raleigh for the second week in a row, but this time hitting the whatever the the upside, uh, the up is down. Up is down, down is up. Don is up. Yep, the fucking worst name ever. On Zack Ryder, pinning him. And then after the match, Zack Ryder talking up the fact that they they were at such a high and they're they're hitting rock bottom. And then Mojarelli beats the le- ever loving hell out of Zack Ryder. Yeah. So exactly what we wanted. Mojarelli turning heel, but about five months too late. Yeah, and I I guess there was. Like, this would have made a lot more sense if it had happened after they lost those tag title matches they had. To do it after a loss to these guys just seemed to not really fucking matter, which seems to be a trend with tag teams not in the title picture on SmackDown just because there's not really enough space to be interesting. 
Fashion Files is one, once every couple weeks, and they're one of the most more overacts on the show. Uh, and this week, it included them basically killing off the Ascension, I guess. <laughs> I will say I did enjoy... So that was garbage, but I did enjoy the fact that they didn't know the Ascension's name. Uh, you know, calling him him Vincent was great. Uh, but on, but on on the other side of that, yeah, I guess they killed him. So I think it would just be funny if we don't see the Ascension for a couple of weeks, and then they do like a backstage brawl, and all of a sudden they're just skeletons are sitting there with face paint on. Well, and I it, think that would be. <laughs> well, and it now occurs to me that they had zero fucking plans for this angle because. You know, it was obviously for a while going to be the Bludgeon Brothers, but now, now I, I don't fucking know what this is that we're watching. Well, that's kind of the issue: is that it's not building towards anything. At least before, it was kind of building towards there was a mystery on who who you know wrecked their thing or whatever like that, and it's not building towards anything. Nothing is advanced because they haven't won the championship and they haven't really shown up on actual TV. So I don't know. It just it's it's not great. No, it's awful. But uh, I so. you know I'm interested to see where they go with the hype bros breakup. Um, I think there's potential for Mojo to be really good as a solo heel. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know what what he can do, and having him against Zack Ryder is a good first uh, first feud for him as well too. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, and that's uh, obviously your your kickoff match for the uh, next SmackDown pay per view. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they could blow off this feud in the next couple of weeks on SmackDown, honestly. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, but moving right along, um, oh boy, see, this is the problem is we don't really have a main event of this fucking thing. <laughs> um, well, that's because so, you burned through everything in order, Troy. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll put them in order then. Um, so let's go, let's go ahead with the, the riot family continues to be a little bit. Right. I'm going to, that's what, yep. That's what I'm going to call them. Uh, continues to be a mystery squad. They, yeah. They have squad goals. Oh yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So Ruby riot live riot and Sarah riot, the riot family, <laughs> Uh, continued to do pretty much. Shit, exactly. I didn't even get the joke until you just said that. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, they, so yeah, the the riot family continues to be essentially a, 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 a carbon copy of the absolution, uh, and they all got a little mic time, and it was not good uh, because Ruby Riot is okay on the mic, and then she had to give it to Liv Morgan. First of all, calling Liv Morgan her little firecracker was weird. Um, but then Liv Morgan's line about letting people pop off in her face or whatever she said. That's not great not either. That's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. Let her come in her mouth. No, whatever. Nope. That wasn't it either. <laughs> nope. Mm. And I'm guessing Enzo already did that. By the way, so uh, peek behind a curtain here. How did Sal not understand the joke I was making? Which one? The one where so they they call, they 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 say that Liv Morgan is the most dangerous woman in the world, or something like that. That was like the lead up to it. And I said, is she, is she the most dangerous because she slept with Enzo Amore? How does he not get that joke as an STD joke? <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. It was, it was funny. I laughed. But that's me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have much else to get. The, the good news is Enzo got a 10 out of 10 on his test. The bad news is it was an STD panel. <laughs> there you go. See, that's funnier. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, on, you I, know, I, on top of that. So, I have <laughs> problems with this group, and, and this is where, to me, I, I, I enjoy Absolution a lot better. Uh, first off, Ruby Riot reminds me a lot of Paige when I see them do like the tongue out thing. They both seem to be doing that, and mm. it's sort of weird. They they look sort of similar when they do it. Just a little observation. But with Absolution, you have these two NXT rookies, but you have that stable, solid foundation of Paige that everybody knows that it's already relatable to the audience. That's the you don't have that on NXT. You just have three NXT girls that, and let's be honest, I mean, Sarah Logan was barely ever used. Uh, Liv Morgan had a cup of coffee where she was in something with Asuka, and that was about it. She was not. Mm-hmm. She was more of a jobber down in NXT of anything else. And, and Ruby Riot was good, but I, I, she wasn't ever presented as being on the upper tier of the women down there. She was sort of like a mid-card female performer in NXT. So... I, I've struggled to find a reason to take this group seriously. I, I They're going to have to do some work, and they've sort of started to do it by giving them victories over Charlotte and Naomi and, you know, really sort of destroying Naomi and everything. And there, there's something there, I guess. But to me, this, this group is sort of like a lesser version of what they're doing on Raw. Right. And that's, and that's kind of the issue, and that's what... what I was kind of getting at too and saying that they're a, a light version of it is yeah they are you know doing a lot of the exact same thing even so much so as like the booking on thing where we're doing three on three matches and stuff like that and we're just beating the fucking hell out of you know the, the some of the other people so much so that apparently we you know uh el- eliminated Naomi for a while maybe yeah. who knows uh, because apparently, if you if you read WWE.com, she had a plethora of injuries, uh, and I'm pretty sure some anal bleeding. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a big booty. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, now we'll see how it plays out. I just Liv Morgan. Look, Sarah Logan's a good worker. Uh, mm-hmm. Ruby Riot's a good worker. Uh, they're gonna have to hide Liv Morgan a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Now, I will say this. We had reservations about the readiness of Alexa Bliss when she came up. Very true. She answered all those. We also had reservations about Nia Jax when she came up, and those have been realized. So we don't really know (laughs) how I guess this will play out until it actually does, but I'm a little skeptical on Liv Morgan. I'm a little skeptical on Sonya Deville. We'll see how these things work. Um also wasn't crazy that on NXT this week we had Sonya Deville versus Ruby Riot because three weeks ago I was told it was the only time all year where Raw and SmackDown superstars compete in head-to-head action. Except now Sonya Deville is a Raw superstar and Ruby Riot's a SmackDown superstar and they were competing in head-to-head competition. Yeah, about that. (laughs) And by the way, Uh, Will again next week. Yes. 
Yes. Also, let's not forget about the fact that we did have AJ Styles on a Raw pay-per-view a while ago. So yeah, true. That happened too. Facing a Raw superstar. That's true. Yeah. yeah. See, see, that's how it goes. So yeah, um, I have a backup ready. Uh, <laughs> so from there, we go from uh, one trio staying strong to another trio breaking up. Because AJ Styles beat the holy fuck of the Singh brothers so much so that it caused Jinder Mahal to decide to be done with them. And legitimately almost break the fucking arm off of one of the Singh brothers. See, uh, I don't know that this is this is the end of that group, though. I mean, he's beaten the shit out of these guys before. That's true. I, I Really, the only reason that this is on the list for me is so that we can talk about the fucking Styles Clash off the second rope with one Singh brother on top of the other. Holy shit. Yeah. The the Singh brothers, give it up for them because they have taken some crazy fucking bumps right? in their short time. You know, we're, we're, we remember Randy Orton almost fucking paralyzing one of them. Like I said, Jinder picked one of them up and almost broke the guy's fucking arm and uh, doing a move. And then yeah, AJ Styles decides to Styles clash him with the fucking second rope. Don't forget the one like, that fell off the Punjabi prison. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. They they take they take a licking and keep on ticking. Uh, but yeah, I know I've heard some people say that this is the Sings, uh, you know, being released by WWE. I don't think that's the case. No, they're on um, tour still, and they're still out introducing gender before the mm, matches. So. Yeah. Take that for what yeah. it's worth. Yeah. And plus, you know, the these guys, you know, they're they're still a cruiserweight tag team. So even if even if they would be done with gender, there's a good chance that they would probably just go to two oh five live. Which uh, means you'd I never see them again anyway. Yeah, exactly, because there's not a tag division there. They don't have tag team championships there. There's not they really should, a division there anymore. There's not really a cruiserweight division anymore. No. <laughs> so I haven't watched the show in months, so I don't know. Yeah, well, nobody does. That's the problem. The one-year anniversary, they sent out an email asking why people don't watch the show. So, I mean, it's that's just what it is. Yeah, well, I could answer that so. fucking question for them. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. So somehow, I'm never in the focus groups that they ask these questions to because I feel like I could provide much better feedback for them. It's weird, isn't it? Right? It's really weird. Oh, so that's it. That's your tan. Um, so let's go to the news desk. All right. Leading off the former the news desk this week is, and I'm going to try to get through this uh, correctly this time, but former WWE star Kamala is breathing on his own and is no longer on life support. Kamala's stepdaughter noted on Tuesday on Facebook that he was taken off of his ventilator and is now breathing on his own. He is, however, still unable to talk. Uh, In a further update, PWInsider.com was told by a source close to Kamala's family that he is alert enough to understand his family and doctors after being weaned off medication he was on after surgery. He has not been able to talk because there's a tube in his mouth to assist his breathing. 
the 67-year-old was rushed to an emergency surgery at a hospital in Oxford, Mississippi. According to both PWInsider.com and Pro Wrestling Sheet, he underwent surgery due to complications from diabetes, including fluid in his lungs. Uh, as we said last week, we certainly want to pass along our best wishes to Kamala for a speedy recovery. Do you remember Kamala yes. as a competitor, Troy? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Um, I remember him being a big fat guy that uh, was trying to scare children. So, uh, <laughs> well, he painted stars on his nipples and stuff. No, yeah, he, he actually had a pretty good run on top for a while with Hogan, and uh, later appeared with the Dungeon of Doom in WCW. So he, he had a little bit of a little bit of exposure there. He did a nice little, nice little run. Yeah, agreed. And hopefully he'll he'll hopefully he'll heal back up and and get back. I was going to say back on his feet, and then I realized how inappropriate that would be. So hopefully. <laughs> hope, a little bit. Hopefully he'll return to better health. Uh, contrary to reports that Finn Balor was pulled from a potential Universal Championship match against Brock Lesnar, a report by Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated claims Balor was never even in the mix for the match. According to the report, Balor is slowly transitioning into, quote, a new version of Dolph Ziggler, end quote. He is seen as a wrestler who can have great matches, but with no reward atop the card or faith from the office. A source close to WWE creative claimed that Vince McMahon sees Balor as bland when he's not portraying the demon character. Barrasso adds, Balor is not an exceptional promo, considered small by even the newer WWE size standards, has visibly lost some of his confidence, and is not connecting at the moment with the audience. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer says the Universal Championship match between Brock Lesnar and Balor was planned for the Royal Rumble on January 28th, as recently as a few days ago. The idea, however, was completely scrapped last Monday due to concerns from Vince McMahon that Balor isn't over enough for the slot. Meltzer wrote, as of the weekend, Lesnar versus Balor was still the Rumble non-Rumble main event. But Vince McMahon was concerned that Balor wasn't over enough for the position. The way he was booked in a Raw versus SmackDown elimination match main event at Survivor Series, he was viewed as an afterthought, being pinned by Randy Orton's RKO. That told me Vince has already made up his mind. The next day, Vince made the call to go in another direction. That direction, as of now, is still unknown. Uh, Finn Balor, for his part, took to Twitter, making several jokes and references to him not himself not being over openly mocking Dave Meltzer, which I'm always okay with. Uh, mm -hmm. But all in all, we talked a lot about Balor and the guys of sort of that grouping not being utilized to their full potential. And it's it you've got these guys that you could do great things with right now. You're paying them a bunch of money. It sort of seems stupid to not try to utilize them, but that's just me. A little bit, yeah. You know, it's... We all know that Vince McMahon's a size queen, and and because of that, you know, you are going to have some issues sometimes with smaller guys getting over. I mean, look at how much Jericho had to, you know, what he had to do in order to get to, to his place, and he still was never viewed and still is not viewed as a top guy. So the fact that you've got, you know, got that going on, of course, you know, yeah, we're going to continue to see, you know... I think Finn can be good, and he just needs to to get a little bit more time. And honestly, did we want to see him face against Lesnar just to get squashed? Yeah. Not really. No, no, no. I didn't. So. Well, it would have been one of those things where we would have had no real doubt that there was ever that match would never have been in question. Right. 
But uh, in any event, speaking of things in question, could a potential move for Sasha Banks be in the works? She's taken to social media to tease a potential move from Raw to SmackDown Live. Addressing a tweet by former SmackDown Women's Champion Natalia, the boss alluded that she would like to join the blue brand. When Natalia tweeted, Congratulations, Charlotte, on an incredible win. You proved the SmackDown Women's Championship is the Women's Championship in WWE. I'm even more determined to take it from you now. Hashtag Survivor Series. Sasha Banks simply tweeted, let me come to blue. Um, mm. This seems sort of like a recurring theme with Sasha. She doesn't seem to be happy with whichever brand or program or anything that she's on or what she's doing. Um, obviously, she's been underutilized. They, they haven't gotten the most out of her that they possibly could. Um, I, I've talked at great length on this show about how I feel like they sort of really missed striking while the iron was hot with her and haven't really rebounded from that. But I'm not sure. We've seen the influx of women's talent. I'm not sure this is a great thing for Sasha. I think there's a lot of potential at this point for her to get lost in the shuffle. True. Very true. And, yeah, we're we're at that point right now where we've got a ton of, a ton of women now coming up, and you do have to kind of worry a little bit about that. So, yeah. And speaking of women, Maria Canales has responded to people criticizing her for getting pregnant. The SmackDown Live star announced in September that she was pregnant with her first child, which apparently led to some people on social media asking her how she dared to get pregnant while working for WWE because people are assholes. Uh, she said, quote, I signed a contract with WWE in March and had no plans of getting pregnant until my contract was up. So, yes, I have only been signed for a few months this time, but I worked for WWE before for five and a half years. I've also been working in wrestling for 13 years, and I've been working since I was 12. I was a bus girl for my first job. Thus, I've been working for 23 years. I can get pregnant. I can even stay home while pregnant and have a job because WWE thinks I'm important and this baby is important enough to do so. After 23 years of work do i deserve maternity leave i think so and so does wwe women deserve maternity leave and men deserve paternity leave it should be a right not a privilege i will continue fulfilling the obligations of my wwe contract even after the baby arrives so smgmb which she then put in parentheses means suck my giant mama boobs ha 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 and troy i have this strange feeling you will sign up for that job I would definitely sign up for that because uh, I had a gigantic fucking crush on Maria Canellis when I was younger. So um, still have that Playboy around here somewhere. I'm going to find it again. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, fuck wrestling fans. This, it's a person like she's allowed to do whatever the fuck she wants. And WWE is going to support her. And. She wasn't an active wrestler anyway, so she could easily still show up on TV. The problem is, you know, Mike Canellis right now is going through rehab, so obviously they don't want to really use him on TV that much until he gets his life straightened out a little bit. So, Yeah, and fuck people, really. I mean, honestly, like, you got nothing better to do than go on Twitter and harass this woman for getting pregnant. Like, fuck you. If, you, if you're doing that, go fuck yourself. Uh... Speaking of women, it sounds like some of the WWE's female superstars are a little worried about the competition that's coming their way with the return of Paige and the call-up of five women from NXT to the main roster. 
Dave Meltzer said in the latest issue of the Observer Newsletter that with six new women's characters all starting at once, that's left a lot of marginal talent, a.k.a. Alicia Fox, nervous about spots because when there's a lot of additions, there are likely some subtractions coming. Uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville debuted on Raw with Paige during her return. Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Ruby Riot debuted on SmackDown the following night. Meltzer also addressed speculation that with the influx of NXT talent to the main roster, a women's Royal Rumble match could be in the works. Meltzer dismissed that speculation, saying he's heard nothing of that match being discussed. A new report by The Sun in the UK, however, is claiming that not only has a Women's Royal Rumble match been discussed, but that the match has been confirmed and should be announced by the WWE. The report added the following, quote, And now Sun Sport can reveal that the influx of females into the female roster is building up to a historic first-ever Women's Rumble match on January 28th at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. The report speculates that the match could be used as a vehicle to book Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania 34. Not sure how you get there from that, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon and his WWE Chiefs could be plotting for Rousey to make a blockbuster debut by winning the Rumble and earning a title shot against the SmackDown Women's Champion, the report speculated. Over the summer, a match between the Four Horsewomen and WWE's Four Horsewomen uh, and those of MMA was being teased by WWE. However, at the May Young Classic Finals in September, Vince McMahon scrapped any more hints of a match that they weren't yet ready to have contract, ugh, concrete plans to promote. Uh, according to a report from Pro Wrestling Sheet, there has also been talk within the WWE about doing a first-ever women's elimination chamber match. Uh, Raw General Manager Kurt Angle teased the possibility of a women's elimination chamber match during a Q&A session on his Facebook page last month. The next Elimination Chamber pay-per-view takes place on February 25th in, of 2018 in Las Vegas, Nevada, and will be a Raw-branded show. Uh, so, Troy, your thoughts on the possibility of a Women's Royal Rumble and a Women's Elimination Chamber? <sighs> women's Elimination Chamber kind of intrigues me. Um, women's Royal Rumble, I mean, I don't know. You you have to do obviously both brands. You have to do you know it. It just I would like to see them maybe try to do something new, you know, because we you know we keep coming up with new things for the men. I would like to see the women get instead of just being like we're gonna do something that the men have been doing for years. I'd like to see them come up with something brand new. Uh, not I don't know what that is because I'm not fucking smart enough. But uh, you know I'm I'm all for them continuing to do more and more new shit. Yeah, I will say that the idea of a women's Royal Rumble is good. The problem is, you go back to a lot of these women's battle royals, they're just, you know, get thrown under the bottom rope and touch the floor. They're not over the top rope. They're not your traditional battle royal rules. Uh, they're not sort of treated the same as the men's ones. And I would sort of have the same fear about a Royal Rumble. And uh, we continue discussing the women in the world of wrestling as Nia Jax is opening up about dealing with body shaming and claims it even happens in, quote, her own backyard. Jax tweeted a photo of herself running on a treadmill on Sunday and wrote, I am subjected to body shaming. It's something I've accepted. It sucks when you get in your own backyard around people you've changing in front of and trust with your body. Nia didn't specify if she's talking about the gym locker room or perhaps the WWE locker room, but she closed by writing, I am a healthy, bigger woman. I love my body. Body shaming is wrong. Troy, you got some thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. We all know, you know, Nia is a beautiful woman, but yeah, she 
as her theme song says, she's not like most girls. And uh, that's something she's going to deal with. And, I mean, we have seen it happen with guys that, you know, guys and girls in the locker room that don't have weight problems, you know. I mean, we remember, obviously, the Picky James stuff and, you know, a lot of the other stories we've heard backstage. And it's a petty, petty business, and it fucking sucks. And a woman like Naya is not only going to get made fun of uh, by me, but also by all the other wrestling idiots out, uh, idiot fans out there, and you know it's it it sucks, but it is what it is, and she needs to kind of understand that that's what's going to happen, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I have a whole lot of things I could say on the topic of the whole body shaming movement, but we'll we'll save that for another discussion. Uh, Nick Hogan, son of the legendary Hulk Hogan, recently spoke with TMZ Sports about the possibility of his dad returning to WWE. Uh, there have been reports surfacing recently that claim WWE officials have been discussing the possibility of bringing the Hulkster back to the company, with their only remaining issue being their concern regarding potential problems with advertisers and sponsors being okay with the decision. Nick mentioned during the interview that he wasn't willing to comment much about the topic, but did address the fact that if Hulk were to return to WWE, it would have to be under a part-time schedule due to the fact that his dad doesn't want to travel on a full-time basis. It's not wrestling that's taxing him, Hogan said. It's the traveling. He just doesn't want to stay on the road all the time. Uh, Nick then got into his car and killed four people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... Thanks, Nick, because I'm sure all of us thought Hogan was coming back to work house shows. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's going to yeah. be on a fucking reduced schedule. Jesus Christ. First of all, I don't see the need for Hogan to return, because why bother? Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, they they clearly want him, and nobody else does. So, but... Who knows? I don't really care to see him. I don't think he adds anything. I mean, him coming out there and calling it the Pontiac Silver Dorm or whatever he called it. it, it yeah, it's it's fucking Hogan. Who cares? I love I love the fact that their biggest issue isn't the black guys on the roster maybe having some resentment towards him. It's maybe the advertisers might have an issue with it. Well, that's how the business works. It's always been that way. Yeah. It's sad, but it is what it is. Uh, after being released by WWE last month, Emma plans on resuming her wrestling career on the independent scene under her real first name, Tennille. She announced earlier this month on Twitter that she's accepting bookings from all over the world starting on February 1st, 2018. She now has her first post-WWE appearance lined up as she will be appearing at a WrestlePro event in Rahway, New Jersey on Saturday, February 3rd, 2018. Troy, are you excited enough about Tennille's independent debut to go check out the show? Nope. Okay, moving on. Uh, The injury Drew McIntyre suffered at TakeOver War Games is as serious as believed, and the former NXT champion will be out of action for months. Sources in the WWE tell Pro Wrestling Sheet that McIntyre's test results showed he tore his bicep, which happened during the mistimed move near the end of the match against Andrade Cien Almas. He's hoping to return in time for WrestleMania 34 weekend in April. McIntyre tweeted this week saying, Unfortunately, I did suffer an injury during my title defense at TakeOver. I've dealt with setbacks before. The reality is I always come back better. There's a scary thought for whomever is NXT champion come 2018. Hashtag TikTok. 
Uh, in other injury news, Jeff Hardy recently gave an update on his shoulder injury, saying that his rehab is going good and he's on the right track. He said, so far, so good. My physical therapist says it's moving great. It doesn't feel great. Naturally, it hurts. I can only do so much, but I'm on the right track. So hopefully after another month, I'll be able to lift a little weight and start building up my chest and my arms. Hopefully by April, I'll be good to go and actually get back in the ring and do what Jeff Hardy loves to do. And chances are, by that time, he may very well be woken, broken, smoking, to- token, token. Yeah, probably token right now. Mm, there you go. Although he's got two strikes already, so he's gonna be careful with that shit. Uh, it's notable that ever since Leo Rush made an ill-advised joke on Twitter when Emma was released by the WWE on October 29th that he hasn't appeared on any NXT shows. In a report this week, PWInsider.com cited this is the reason he hasn't been used. Rush wrote, I guess there are the things that happen when you are truly not truly ready for Asuka. Uh, the tweet received criticisms pretty quickly, including Peyton Royce pointing out that Rush was just got to NXT and telling him that professionalism goes a long way. Bray Wyatt was one of the wrestlers from the main roster to respond, saying that Rush ain't going to make it here with the Wolves. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Rush deleted the tweet and quickly issued an apology, but the damage had been done. According to Dave Meltzer in the latest issue of the Observer Newsletter, the beat was so the heat was so bad that there was talk of cutting him. While some people in WWE see Rush as a future WWE star, the heat still lingers, and he's been on ice ever since. In an interesting development, uh, Leo Rush removed every mention of NXT and WWE from his Twitter profile uh, and tweeted things like very cryptic uh, comments. Apparently, later today, it was confirmed that he is still under contract to NXT, so no word yet on if he's just going through the formalities of a release. I don't know, but it certainly seems like something strange is going on there. Fucking moron. That's all I got to say about that. Okay, then. Uh... (laughs) According to a report by Pro Wrestling Sheet, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are in negotiations with multiple venues to hold a 10,000-seat event. This all started back in spring when Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter was asked on Twitter whether Ring of Honor could sell out a 10,000-seat arena, and Meltzer responded by saying, quote, not anytime soon. Cody didn't agree and said that he would take that bet, and ever since then, the Bullet Club members have decided to dedicate themselves to trying to make that happen. So far as... Self-financing the event, which is rumored to be held in Chicago, San Francisco, London, or Ontario, California sometime in 2018. The other part to work out of some sort of deal with ROH to make it happen, and while talks are ongoing, it doesn't appear as if a deal has yet been reached. Apart from WWE events, no other wrestling event has sold more than 10,000 tickets in North America since WCW folded. Cody appeared on SiriusXM's Busted Open show and revealed that his dream opponent for the main event is Daniel Bryan, whose WWE contract will expire next summer. Rhodes said he can't reveal too much until the location is locked down, but reiterated that they are swinging for the damn fences. Um, You can like Cody, you can dislike Cody either way, um, but the truth is you can't knock the fact that the guy's got hustle. Uh, Jennifer Hudson dropped her protection order against David Otunga, essentially admitting that she lied uh, about her contention that he had physically abused her. Uh, I sort of thought that this might be, if you listened last week, I sort of thought this might be how this would play out. I don't want to get into the whole nuts and bolts of the story, but it's just sad that children are involved and and parents go that route. Um, So good news for David Otunga. Hopefully he and his son can sort of move forward. (laughs) 
If at first you don't succeed, bank 500 grand and try again. Former WWE superstar Phil Brooks will be in attendance at the upcoming UFC 218 pay-per-view event this Saturday night at the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Don't worry, though, he's not fighting, at least not yet. Instead, the artist formerly known as CM Punk will have a sit-down with promotion president Dana White to discuss the possibility of an octagon return in 2018. However, that could be a tough sell if you're to believe the things White has said about the meeting. CM Punk is coming to Detroit and wants to talk to me, White said at Tuesday's media session. I love the guy, and we'll see what he's doing. Doesn't sound like there's a lot of plans there. Uh, Punk 0-1 made his mixed martial arts debut nearly two years ago after inking with the world's preeminent combat sports promotion in late 2014. Not that his protracted training period did him any good at UFC 203, where he was promptly smashed by fellow but much younger upstart Mickey Gall. Uh, I, I ended this, uh, I, I made this the last story in the news just so I could end the news segment by saying, fuck CM Punk. That's going to do it for the news desk. Speaking of, in, uh, in two weeks, not this next week, but in two weeks, NXT Revisited will have <laughs> none other than CM Punk appear on the show. So very interested to see what happens there. And I'm sure you will be very interested to hear how much I make fun of him because it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So awesome. Well, we are that that's it. So let's go ahead and uh, take a look what's happening in your local indie news. Start things off in my neck of the woods. As tickets are on sale now for Brew City Wrestling presenting Jingle Bells Bash on Friday, December 8th at the Columbus Club of West Allis. Bell time is 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.45 p.m. Tickets are $20 reserved ringside. General admission at the door, $18 or $16 if you go to brewcitywrestling1.com using PayPal. This will also be our annual food drive as well as well try. Oh, jeez. As well as as we try to put a headlock for hunger with Feed American Eastern Wisconsin. Fans are encouraged to bring at least two non-perishable food items for the less fortunate during the holiday season. Already signed, Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship Fatal 4-Way Match as Evil Sierra, the champion, takes on the golden goddess Lena DeOro, Midwest Slayer Stacy Shadows, and Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azur. I'm not going to say that they're hard up for female talent in Bruce City Wrestling, but it seems like these four girls are involved in everything. Like, well, you know, they're they're. The I sort best of feel of like the there's only four female wrestlers in this promotion. There might be only four female wrestlers, <laughs> but hey, you know, some things happen sometimes. Also booked, ROH star Bruce City Bruiser, Beer City Bruiser. Uh, who will also with, be with the mouth of the Midwest JP, will take on Brandon Blaze. More Fandemonium matches announced soon. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com. Follow them, uh, them on Twitter at BCW1 or go to their Facebook page, facebook.com slash BruceCityWrestling1. Heading over to Kansas, Saturday, December 9th, Midwest Entertainment Wrestling LLC returns to Mount Hope, Kansas. Doors open at 5 p.m. Show starts at 6 p.m. 
doors open to, to those with pre-sold tickets at 4.45. So you can get in before all the fucking unwashed masses get in. <laughs> Ticket prices ringside reserved, only available pre-sold, $15. Adult general admission, $10. Kids get in for $7. You can go to mweprowrestling.com to buy those tickets. Come out and see Mr. Fitness and Midnight Rose, Samoan Predator, Christian Temple, The Mangler, The Honky Tonk Kid, and many, many more. Not to mention, you never know who from the Total Action Zone wrestling team will decide to show up. After party at the show building with shaken or stirred bartending will be ser- who will be serving up your favorite drinks all night long. Shaken or stirred is available for bookings if you would like a bar at your event also. Concessions will be available. If you would like to, en- to order your MWE or the Mangler gear before the show, you can do so at MWEProWrestling.com. There will be a professional wrestling seminar Sunday, December 10th from 2 to 4 p.m. 15 and up with parental consent, consent are able to participate at $50 per person. The seminar is also a tryout for those interested in starting pro wrestling training at their training school. Jason, what's going on? Done in the middle Merrimack Valley. Well, APW ends their season with a biggest show of the year. It is full force elimination. It comes to you from the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley, 18 Maple Street, Salisbury, Massachusetts. This is the second event in our Toys for Tots drive. Bring a new unwrapped toy and receive $5 off admission. Doors open at 6 p.m., bell time at 6.30. At our last event, we announced two huge matches for this show, including a Women Falls Count Anywhere match as Vanity Vixen goes one-on-one with Belmont in a no-count-out, no-DQ match that recently was announced as the final professional wrestling match for both men. The juggernaut John Poe goes one-on-one with Apocalypse, both men walking away from the sport. After this match, so this will be your last chance to see these guys in in ring competition. Also, just announced Dynamite Danny Miles versus Robo the Punjabi Lion. More matches will be announced shortly. Once again, that is the APW Full Force Elimination, December 9th, from the Boys and Girls Club of Lower Merrimack Valley. Check out Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook for more information. Wow. That is some news right there. Uh, always kind of a bummer to see see things like that happen where you know guys guys giving it up, but though both those guys have had had really good careers. So uh, yeah, it's sad. It's, it's happy. really sad for me. I'm starting to reach that age where guys who I introduced as the, the beginning of their careers are starting to retire. So yeah, yeah, you should realize but, how old you are. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, make sure that that's your last chance to see these guys. So get out there. Uh, but if you uh, if you are in the Portland area, DOA Pro Wrestling. Uh, goes <laughs> presents "Twas the Fight Before Christmas," which might be one of my, which might be one of my favorite <laughs> favorite names of all time. Uh, live December sixteenth. Doors open at five thirty. Bell time at six p.m. at the Waddles Boys and Girls Club. The card will feature DOA Grand Champion Ethan HD, DOA Pure Champion Julian Air White, DOA Tag Team Champions Four Minutes of Heat, Eddie Van Glam, Eddie Pearl, Billy Pearl as well as the hardcore legend Dr. Luther, Mike Santiago, Chef, Dr. Cleaver, <laughs> CJ Edwards, The Higher Five, which is Dar- Draven Vargas, Patrick Lang, and MJ, Johnny Paradise, The Hess Dynasty, Wade and Dominic Hess, Eric Wright, 
<laughs> Northeast. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Northwest Express, Marcus Malone and Flanks Walker. Caden Cassidy, Kane Jaden, Clark Connors, Damon Jones, Sonico, and Udo. There's Damon James. I'm not. Sorry. That's a lot of fucking names for me to try to <laughs> ramble up all together, so. Very, very true. Uh, Lucky Pro Wrestling is off until 2018, but they'll still be doing some good until then as Lucky Pro Wrestling and West Real Estate Special present their Toys for Tots drive on Sunday, December 10th at 2017 at the West Real Estate Office, 368 Main Street, 386 Main Street, sorry, Wilmington, Massachusetts, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Already announced the LPW Heavyweight Champion, the selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, Impact Wrestling Knockout, Alicia Edwards, LPW Hard Knocks Champion, Brickmass Stone, LPW Women's Champion, Adira, Anthony Stone, Isana, Christopher James, and more will be announced with the donation of a new unwrapped toy for or five dollars in cash. Fans can get a photo with and an autograph from the wrestling stars of LPW. All donations will be collected by Toys for Tots of Massachusetts for the less fortunate this holiday season. They are also taking mail orders. Please have a check or money order made out to Toys for Tots. Amount based off the number of autographs. It is $5 per superstar. Please include a self-addressed stamped envelope. No information here on where they actually send that self-addressed stamped envelope to, but uh, I'm sure if you uh, search for LPW Lucky Pro Wrestling on Facebook, you can find all the information you're looking for. And we got to talk to Adam about the things he puts on this list. And we need, we need details. Yeah, that is true. Ah, Liberty States Wrestling returns to Peabody on Saturday, December 16th with Holiday Havoc and the return of the Opportunity Knox ladder match. D.L. Hurst, Brett Domino, and the selfie-made man Vern Vicalio, along with the clinic Christopher James, will fight for a contract that guarantees them a shot at any Liberty States title whenever they want with no expiration date. So like 20 years from now, they could pop in and whichever motherfucker's the champion and go, pfft, want my shot, bitch. So... No time limit. This does not expire ever. This is not like some WWE shit where you have to do it within a year. Any time ever. You can cash in this opportunity. It's big. Interesting. Uh, also on the show, Big Bacon Brad Hollister makes his Liberty States debut as he tries to take the heavyweight title from Christian Casanova. Plus the return of the No Limits Open Challenge. Also scheduled to appear, Nico Silva, Robo the Punjabi Lion, Hammer Tunis, Sutherin, Vanity Vixen, and more. So check out Liberty States Wrestling Saturday, December 16th at the at, is it the John McCarthy Elementary School. He didn't put that in here either, but that's where it is. Uh, this just in, 92-year-old former wrestler, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo, appeared at a Lucky Pro Wrestling event. <laughs> Or Liberty States Pro Wrestling event and cashed in something called the Opportunity Opp- Knox. Yes. <laughs> and defeated, uh, defeated Johnny Analog for the championship. Yeah, defeated Johnny Analog for the championship and uh, then promptly died. <laughs> so, but if you're going to go, at least you should go out on top. And that does hey, it for this. Hey, hey, hey. The, yeah. Vern Vicalo being a rundown sit-down guest and competing at 92 years old for a championship <laughs> would just be the, the top two highlights of his career, clearly. That's true. We will most likely be dead by that time, though. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yep. But that does it for this. The rundown for, on, for Thursday, November 30th. Um, 
Well, you're probably going to listen to this tomorrow because uh, this isn't going up tonight. Fuck uh, that. <laughs> I'll give has, you a preview. This episode is being called Technical Difficulties. I, we're fine with that. Just go ahead and throw in some, some fun music every time that we uh, the call drops. <laughs> it has been 522 days since Pentagon Dark won the Lucha Underground Championship. Uh, he broke <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because they haven't had a show on for like 521 days. Well, no, no, no. That, that episode aired like a month ago yeah <laughs> yeah he's had a pro he's had a good long run for it follow us on twitter at rundown podcast follow us on facebook uh, facebook.com slash rundown wrestling email the show at rundown wrestling at gmail.com leave us a voicemail like sal did and hopefully stay in one area while you're doing it by, <laughs> by calling 617 <laughs> You yes, are sir. in no position to criticize anyone else's use of technology tonight, sir. All right, all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's 61 Rundown 7. We are now on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling and pay us so I can get better internet. Uh, currently, there's just one reward level, the Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron-only episode for the Rundown, which we will have to be doing pretty soon for December. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll do a review of the time that uh, Bill Goldberg played Santa Claus. Check out the Slasher Sanitarium if you're a fan of horror. Listen to our friends the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast About Nothing with new podcast Mondays and Thursdays. Check them out on Facebook.com slash the W-P-A-N or follow them or subscribe to them on iTunes. Are they on Stitcher? I believe so. Follow on Stitcher too. Uh, check out our new friend Justin Michaels on his new show, Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. And you weren't here last week, Troy, but big shout-out to Justin Michaels. Apparently their show, so popular on Tough TV, they've now moved it to prime time. So good on that. Ooh, there we go. All right. He wasn't ready for prime time when he was on our show, but he definitely is ready for it now. (laughs) (laughs) You Uh, can make a case that Justin was the most polished host the rundowns ever had. I, you know what? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have any, he didn't have any issues with his fucking shitty internet. No, he did not. Spectrum. Subscribe to the wrestling to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our, all of our other shows. NXT Revisited, which just recently came back. The Rundown Sit Down, which also made a comeback. WrestleMania Salvation, which is still running strong. Glowstick, which has yet to make a comeback. And the Nitromania Podcast, which presents to you every week episodes you can take shit to. Oh. <laughs> 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 Thanks to all of you for putting up with this episode. Thanks to Jason for putting up with my shit tonight. All right, I'm going to listen to Nitromania right now. Let me hit play. And it's over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again to Ray Williams for the logo. And thanks to Jason for our awesome theme song. Next week, we bring you more shit. Yeah, that's pretty much what this episode has been. So. Can't all be winners. <laughs> We will see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted solo by Jason Stewart. We are a proud member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all their shows, including the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast. Horror Podcasts, The Slasher Sanitarium, and The Shadow Vane Podcast, as well as the rest of our shows, Taco Tuesday, Words of Geekdom, 
Pwn Stars, a Reanimator podcast, Nerd CTLR, all that and more at QuestaNetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.